You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Helium Boys podcast, a serious, non-serious USC podcast. That time I got a right shotgun. I rarely have to do double takes, but today is my second take of second the day. Take. That was the fourth one. Just, just admit the now, truth. He, he's, uh, <laughs> he's messing with you guys. That was the second take. The most I'll do is two takes. It's been a rough day for your boy. I'm trying to uh, hold penance for myself, and I'm hosting. I actually don't know if you did your two in a row shotgun, but I'm going to take the burden. And I'm going to host this week's episode because. It's Thanksgiving week. This is the Thanksgiving episode. I'm very excited for the overtime portion of this episode, but I got to get through the rest to get to that. To, you got to eat through the bunch of the stuff where you get to the pumpkin pie. You got to you gotta, you gotta wait. You got to be patient. You got to be patient. You got to grind it out. You got to grind it out. But Shotgun, I am thankful for you, and that's why I am hosting this week. Sweet. I appreciate you, but uh, if you keep up with the pumpkin pie takes, then uh, this might be over. Not a not a big pumpkin pie guy. Look, I'm sensing. I, I gave up sugar for the year, and mm-hmm. one of my cheat days was going to be Thanksgiving, my birthday, and Thanksgiving. And I was told the Thanksgiving I'm going to there may be an apple crisp, and pumpkin pie is the only desserts. I said, "What? All right, I may have to make a uh, you know a chocolate bourbon pecan pie or something because I just can't have this. I might eat the I may eat half the pie myself, quite possibly." That's I'm you know uh, hyperbole there, but are you a baker? Pie? What are you a baker? I yes, Chris. Is I this, a, is this a skill that you have? I I I did not know. I did not know. I learned something new about you every time we do this podcast. Shotgun apparently can bake with the best of them, but throw, throw down some mad cheesecakes. Previously, uh, before we actually get to all the football, so some people can skip through this if they want. But previously, when I was at home. In Georgia, I would go to four different Thanksgivings. And so I would make four different cheesecakes, four different flavors, and then slice them up and then put them together. So each place got a sampling of cheesecakes. Much like a Cheesecake Factory cheesecake you can buy. So Shotgun doing his own thing with the Cheesecake Factory, making it his own. So I applaud you. I didn't know you could make a cheesecake 
But what I do know is that you can do a two-minute offense shotgun. So you're actually going to start this week with a two-minute rundown of the USC-UCLA game. Or you could keep talking about cheesecakes. I think most <laughs> fans would prefer you actually talk about cheesecakes for, for two minutes than the actual game from this Saturday, a 38-20 to 20 loss to the Bruins. I, I'm going to go out on a hunch and say they'd rather hear you, hear you talk about cheesecakes. But shotgun... You can talk whatever you want. Your time starts now. We'll start with the game. It was same old, same old. This is John Jacob Jigenheimer Smith. His name is my name too. I'm like, I feel like the song never ends with this USC team this season. It's been the same thing over and over that we've seen. And I think I called this on the podcast before the Washington game uh, that USC, I thought they could beat Washington and they looked like they could beat Washington that game. But then they were going to go to Oregon, and it's going to be very unlikely they win there because of how tough of a place to play. And then they would get beat down by UCLA. Now, I don't know if I said it. If I didn't say it on the podcast, I definitely told some other people that. Um, and then I I softened my stance on that when UCLA played so terribly against Arizona, Arizona State without a quarterback. But I just felt you know that that thought multiple weeks ago was because. Chip Kelly can always run the ball. He can find a way to run the ball. And USC's defense can't tackle. They can't stop the run against terrible teams, uh, against teams that don't run the ball like Washington. So what's what are they going to do against UCLA? If UCLA got the, a lead, they were going to be able to hold on to it because US, USC would never stop them. And that's what ended up being the case. And the fact that you know I had some faith in the UCLA defense to be able to slow down the USC offense, at least some, just because of the pass rush they have. And we saw all those things play out. Like and like I said, it's it's the same old song that we've heard from this team throughout the season. Um, there wasn't much different. And then when you factor, you add in the turnovers, you know, basically five turnovers when you go for it twice on fourth down, you're not going to be able to get anywhere. So you know that that was the entire game for me. Just seeing the same things over and over. And it started. You only needed to watch the first two drives. USC's drive, second and two, I believe it was. They end up failing on fourth down, and then. You know, UCLA was able to pick up whatever they wanted to going down. They just walked right down the field and third and goal and USC can't get a stop. And then to see that there was so little effort on the extra point that they could bobble it and still kick it through, you knew it was over then. Very risky for you to start getting into specifics with like a minute 45 in. That was really risky. But you literally were just that's over. All you needed to see. Like as soon as you saw that, you're like, hmm. I mean, maybe something changes. Maybe you, you can have that thought process. You can look back and say, hey, 2022, USC was down 14 nothing in the first quarter to UCLA. Maybe they'll turn things around. But what we've seen from this team, you just said, no, it's going to be the same thing over and over. And if you can't run the ball and pick up two yards on three plays, um, you can't stop them. You know, when you know they're going to run the ball, when they come out in a power T then it's going to just the day's going to continue to go over and over and over like it did. So you know, I didn't need to go in any more specifics after that. I, I, I saw everything I needed in the first, what, four or five minutes of the game and said, all right, I know what we're going to see today. Power T was my nickname when they put me on the bench press. So just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> I don't believe that um, at all. Okay. You know what? It, you don't have to believe it. I just said it on the podcast. So you can, <laughs> you can make that judgment. Uh, for yourself, shotgun. But yeah, just letting you know, fun fact. All fun right, fact. all right, Chris. Well, give me some more fun facts. You've got two minutes to talk about uh, USC UCLA. Talk about 
ghost notes, talk about some brouhaha's on the sideline, talk about whatever you want, Chris. Thanksgiving, Christmas, 4th of July, I don't care. Let's go. Two minutes starts now. You only get to talk about the brouhaha if you watch, if you listen, not listen, watch, not watch or listen, but read <laughs> the Ghost Notes game. I There's only three options that I picked the two you're not supposed to do, uh, but it does not matter. I'm, I need to preface this by saying I am not a USC fan. I need to say that right now, but I came away not mad, but disappointed, disappointed about USC's effort because I think there were some players on that team that deserved to go out better than they did. You think about a Justin Dietrich, a six-year guy whose blood, sweat, tears, all of it, broken body, put his line out for this team, come so close last year to, to accomplishing something. And then just to go out against UCLA like that, just disappointing. And then for Caleb Williams, for you know his final, more than likely his final game as a Trojan, it ends like that with a blowout loss to UCLA. And it's just... You know, he, he deserved better, I think, you know, for for what he was able to the numbers he was able to put up and the special plays he was able to make for USC. He deserved better. And, you know, you, uh, Taj Washington, obviously, he's still got a shot at a thousand yards, but you wanted him to get it there against UCLA. Just just a lot of things that was left on the field for this USC team. And it felt like they were just mentally drained and exhausted from, you know, nine straight games ranked opponent after ranked opponent, emotional games, emotional losses, uh, crushing losses. And then, you know, UCLA punched them in the mouth a little bit. They fought a little bit, but in the end, you know, they couldn't muster anything in that second half to really, you know, that game was a 14 to 10 at halftime. You felt like, okay, USC can really take over because you felt like they should have been up more in the first half. You felt like they could take over, but just UCLA beat it out of them in the Coliseum at home. So, you know, the season has been a bust. It is a bust, you know, whatever, regardless of the roles, the 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 bowl game. But yeah, they deserve better. The fans also deserve better. Chris, I think I got you at two hundred one. I think you went over there, sir. That's fine. That's fine. The whole watch listen part really cost me like five <laughs> seconds. That's that, that's just an error on my fart. Uh, uh, on part. your on your fart. Yep. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm 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 all over the place. I should not be hosting, but I am hosting. And shotgun, that will take us into the stocks i know you say you didn't have a ton of stock ups because why would you because why would you but you can go all go ahead and list your stocks i mean i'll start with a couple guys that just got more playing time i think we'll start there uh, elijah hughes nearly had a sack um did finish with two missed tackles but he, he got some more playing time so that was a positive to see he's a guy that you know the very first snap of his career uh you know in the opener Went and got held and got a penalty and then was in on a sack, I think it was later, a TFL, next play on that. So expected to see him a little bit more throughout the season and never literally happened. Um, and with the deficiencies they had at that spot beside Barry Alexander, it was a little bit surprising we didn't see him you know, earlier. Shane Lee also was back in the mix, uh, you know, so stock up on him, you know, in the bowl game. Maybe we'll see more of him again. Stock up on missed tackle streak. Um, so Chris, I'm going to give you half my stock ups now, but let me, let me finish with this one here. Missed tackle streak. So I looked it up. USC has got 133, I think pro football focus gave them 14 missed tackles. Initially, they, uh, when they went back and re-looked at it this week, they get the 13. So USC should have 133 missed tackles so far this season. That's not the worst of the nation. It's not anywhere close to being good, but it's not the worst. 
However, it is does guarantee that they will have at least 10 per game. If, even if they get no missed tackles against whoever their opponent is in the bowl game, they will have played 13 games, so they were over it. It is the sixth consecutive year that USC has averaged 10 missed tackles or more per game. Oof. Now, who does that put them in the company of? There are a couple other teams that are at six years as well. There are also six teams, six consecutive. Let's just look at the Power Five ones, just because it'll give you the an idea of who they're in company with. Probably the best is Kansas State. Kansas State's missed a ton of tackles. They had one, one season where they had like 199, which is, I think, the most I've seen. That's probably the best team on this list because the other teams are UConn, I think South Florida, are they technically? Is the AAC considered a power? I don't even remember, but they're not good. Vanderbilt. Is that Todd Orlando, South Florida? It is now, yes. Um, but this is six years running. And Georgia Tech. Oh. Those are the ones that are all on six years as well as USC. Now, there are four other teams that have a longer streak. This is in all schools. Louisiana Monroe is at eight, eight years. Um, Hawaii is on the verge of their ninth Kansas and UCF. So uh, is on the verge of their ninth. So those are the programs you're in the same realm as USC should not be in the realm of any of those programs, not for a six year run. You can have one bad year. You can have your four and eight year and be terrible, whatever you can have that five and seven in there six consecutive years. They can't tackle. That tells you that it's more than just one coach, one coordinator here or there or whatever. It is a cultural issue throughout the program. And until that gets fixed, and that tells me, you know, when you say tackling, well, everyone thinks tackling is physicality. That's the first thing I think of. If you're physical, you can tackle. If you're there, hey, maybe you miss a tackle, but if you're physical – you got multiple guys there, so you, you don't get dinged as much. And USC's missed tackles, like Oregon State's on the list. It, is it got a ton of t- missed tackles this year, like 150-something. But I feel like, now I haven't watched a ton of Oregon State, but I feel like Oregon State, when they miss tackle, somebody else is there. Like, it's not, con- like, you miss tackle, it's going 70 yards, like USC, Oregon. Like, and that's been an issue for USC, too, is, like, they don't have enough people there. And... Uh, I'll get to a couple others, but I just want to, I will split my stocks in half, but that one stood out to me when I was going through, I spent, I don't know, 40 minutes of researching it last night, trying to find like, who's USC in the cup. Oh, six years. That's a lot. But who else has got six years? That can't be that many. Right. And then you see the programs are with, and it's, it's not good. I mean, what a brilliant and thoughtful breakdown of tackles for a loss not tackles for a loss missed tackles excuse me and you're right it's a culture thing it's a culture thing of missed tackles for usc you know it maybe it got a little bit worse under alex grinch but this has been a problem for several years as pro football focus and that data has shown for usc and their defense so whoever you know, comes in next has a tall task of, you know, reversing this cycle of poor tackling and missed tackles and whatever it may be form intensity and through practice. I don't know, but they, that that's like priority number one or two is like fix the tackling that has to be up there 
Um, just running through my stock ups right now. I just wanted to give stock up to Brendan Rice. You know that that intensity he had in kind of that that second half of that Oregon game, making some big catches, physical. You know, kind of frustrated playing. I saw some of that again on on Saturday. He was getting a little frustrated. He's getting real physical at sometimes. You know, he obviously had the big seventy-five yard touchdown, the final passing touchdown of Caleb Williams' career at USC. It was a big play. I, you know, goes out with a hundred yards. You know, obviously, he could play in the bowl game, but we'll see about that. But yeah, just stock up on Brendan Rice, who you know was one of the guys who who's balling out. And the very limited people that were balling out uh, on Saturday, I have stock up on the rebuild because as the season showed out, this is still year two of rebuild for USC. You know, it's cultural problems, it's depth problems, it's it's all these things. You know, I know year one was was great. You know, they came so close, but it, it did kind of uh, make USC fans feel like they were farther along than they were. And this obviously this year, obviously, you know, uh, cold water on that that thought and remind you that, oh, this is still a rebuild. This is still things USC has to get better at and needs to get better at moving forward. I have stock up on new era for defense because the next time USC plays, they're going to have a new defensive coordinator in place. Now that defensive coordinator will not be coaching that team, obviously, but there will be someone you... Uh, you're, you're, you're. It's not necessarily. There, there have been coaches that take over and, you know, coach the first game. Um, especially. I didn't realize that. I thought there was a rule or something. I don't believe so. As long as you're, I mean, what? There's no rule on it's. You're on scholarship, and those are the only ones that can play. But as far as coaching, you can have people cycle in and out. Because I mean, look at something like last year with UCLA. You know, their defense coordinator gets cancer. You know, Kenny Pendergast is on the staff, but he's not on their roster of in, in of active coaches, on field coaches. And we've seen that with recruiting and stuff when, you know, coaches have off season surgeries or stuff and can't travel. So, you know, Gavin Morris can go out on the road and recruit, different things like that. So I don't think there's any rule there. I know we've seen coaches stick through when they get a new job and go somewhere, but I think we've also seen. I would have to look up for a specific example, but coaches that get hired somewhere else go and become the, you know, either head coach or coordinator for the bowl game. I guess, I guess that's true. I, I guess I thought it wouldn't necessarily that would happen because if you're a completely different scheme, you know, I don't know if you can teach a whole new scheme in the weeks leading up to it. Very or, true. And so that may, you that know, may not happen. You know, you, you you may be completely accurate that it won't happen, but I'm just saying there's a possibility. Well, yeah, okay. Well, whatever the case, either <laughs> there will be a new defense coordinator in place and he'll be coaching in this game, or at least they'll know what kind of scheme they're going to be running next season. But it's a new era for the defense. There will be a new head man in charge for the defense the next time these guys play, whether that he's just watching from the stands or he's on the sideline, whatever that may be. It's a new era for the defense. We have to figure out which person is leading that era for the defense, but I have stock up on that. I have stock up on football being a game of inches. There were so many like narrow plays, you know, Zachariah Branch not getting his butt down for that fumble. UCLA, you know, them being down and getting that fumble back for them. Uh, The sack touchdown where Jalen Smith almost brings down Ethan Garbers and he's able to get that pass off just at the last second and boom, it's a touchdown. So just like little things like that, this game felt like a, a... 
a knife's edge of things that could have gone either way. Not saying those two, those, you know, these plays would have changed the outcome of the game, but it might have, you know, given USC a little bit more, uh, a better chance of actually winning this game. And then I have stock up on pop stars because obviously Olivia Rodrigo pulling up to the game. Everyone thinks they're famous until Olivia Rodrigo shows up and no one remembers what your name is. So <laughs> shout out to uh, Olivia Rodrigo getting a legitimate like A-list celebrity on the sideline and like a little starstruck. The first one since probably Matthew McConaughey, I would say, is the... Okay, yeah, yeah. And then Miley Cyrus of... before that. I mean, we've, there's been some other ones. I mean, there's been... Um, I mean, for me, I wasn't... So we I don't remember Matthew. Other... But I'm talking like legit aura around them. Matthew McConaughey has that, that aura. I know Miley Cyrus has a little bit of that aura, but Olivia Rodrigo definitely like aura. <laughs> Or a magnet. So All right. that, that's what I got. I'm glad you enjoyed getting to see a pop star down there, Chris. But that's that's USC. You know, pop stars go to school at USC. Um, so you know, at least pop been... stars take classes at USC. Let's 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 pump the brakes here. If you're taking classes, you're going to school, right? I didn't say she graduated and she's got her master's and everything else. She's not sweet. I want to argue the semantics of this. Taking <laughs> Showing up to two classes does not make you a USC student. All I mean, right. Technically, it does. Whatever, Chris. All right, my other stock ups. Um, you mentioned Brendan Rice had him on there as well. Um, I had loafing, and this is the first time I saw it this season. And Chris, you kind of mentioned it that it was disappointing to see the lack of effort for some of the players that probably deserve better. But there were times when a play would be run. I think it was the very first play of the game on the defense, and there's a defender. The you know UCLA goes in motion. There's defender in man-to-man coverage, and he falls behind. And there's another defender in front of him, so he just continues to jog over. He doesn't sprint over to try to help to make the tackle. He just jogs over behind and kind of expects the guy in front of him. And if that guy didn't make the tackle, okay, now I'll step up and try to like that. I saw that multiple times, and I haven't even watched the full game yet. Where it's just like expecting someone else to make the tackle, and then I'll burst forward. If they don't, that is a huge issue. And again, hey, they're beat down nine in a row, the emotions, all that. But it's UCLA. What the fuck? Like, really? Like, this is supposed to be a rivalry game? And this goes, this is when you start getting your alumni, your fans, and everyone that's, that's super passionate about this going, well, this is what happens when you get transfers in. They don't know about the history. They don't, they don't care. We got to recruit Southern California. but And all those things are partially true. And someone else tried to point out, well, UCLA just wanted more because they're passionate about the rivalry. Uh, and I go, they have all these local kids. I'm like, so Latu, who's from Northern California, and the Murphy twins are from Texas. And like all the impact players, like at least half of them are from out of state or out of area. So it's not that. But the buy-in was not there from the USC. And that was super disappointing. So stock up on loafing because I think that was the first time we've really seen it this year. Like that was the one thing even with these close losses and the disappointment and all this uh, of the goals kind of falling to the wayside, they kept fighting until this week, this week, the fight was not there. So that was very disappointing to see in the fight, you know, like you said, the finale for Caleb Williams, more than likely for some other players and whatnot. So uh, I had that. And then I had stock up Caleb Williams, the player. I mean, he was fantastic. Once again, that throw to Brendan Rice uh, was, was, 
unbelievable. Maybe even more impressive was the play to Marshawn Lloyd down the left sideline where free rusher just immediately there. And that happened way too often. Um, but he makes a guy miss. And then he calmly steps up in the pocket, kind of sets up the blocks a little bit, knows where his offensive linemen are, goes towards the line of scrimmage and just allows there to be enough time for Marshawn Lloyd to get behind the defense and just lofts it over for a huge gain. Um, that might've been a more impressive play though. The throw to Brendan Rice was spectacular too. He was phenomenal. It was a, it was a treat to get to watch him for the last two seasons and to get to cover him. Uh, well, it was a treat to get to watch him. Not always a treat to get to cover him. Uh, and that's why I'll move into my stock down unless you have anything else, Chris, because I have okay. Kayla Williams dealing with it and Whatever it is, that could be the media, that can be the pressure, but I got stocked down on him dealing with it. He's been so calm, cool, and collected throughout his time, but you know we've seen times where he doesn't speak to the media, and you could put that blame on USC if you want, like at Oregon State last year. He should definitely have spoke to the media. He had a rough game, but he threw the game when a touchdown pass. You, you want to talk to him about overcoming his adversity through a bad game and throwing a touchdown pass, but he was not made available. Um, and the fact that he didn't speak after this game, which is probably his last one, and it's a rivalry game and it's captain, all those type things, this type of game where you just kind of had to deal with, you know, suck it up and go give your – honestly, if I was Sam, I would go in with Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley's going to get 95% of the questions. He'll get two at max, and he'll be out of there. But instead, what we're apparently told – from behind the scenes. Well, one USC said he's declined, right? That was, what was their uh, verbiage? He's declined to speak to media today. And that's to my knowledge, the first time that's ever been given as, as a reason, the, yeah. design, the de- de- designation that he's declined. Yeah. And no, we've been in situations where previously, where we would ask the players on their way, walking out, Hey, do you want to talk? And they would decline. You know, Cody Kessler did it as as they're right, as they're right, as they're right, which is possible is perfectly fine. But like I've said this many times in the past, but I think if you're a captain, especially in games like that, rivalry game, tough loss, you got to be the one to step forward and speak for the team. Um, And so it was disappointing that he did not do that. Now I can understand why he didn't. But I think that's part of the responsibility of being who he is. Um, So that's one where I I wish he would have done a little bit better um, in that regard, but maybe he was just so tired of dodging all those pass rushers. They didn't want to dodge a couple more questions about, Hey, last game, are you going to the NFL? All that type of stuff. So maybe he's just done with uh, dodging Latus and Murphy's and wrenches and dodgeballs and everything else. Deep dark love, baby. Deep dark love. <laughs> I'm going to start stock- my stock downs. Go. I'm going to oh, let you that, flip back I, over to you for though. Oh, okay. That, well, I appreciate it, I guess. Uh, I have stocked down on Pac-12 play. It's the final Pac-12 game USC yeah. is ever going to play. I don't think people talked about that enough. I didn't even like kind of realize it in in the the the, um, the the grand scheme of that game. Obviously, USC would be playing a game next week, but it's a bye, or this week, but it's a bye week. Everyone else is playing a Pac-12 game, but they got their last one out out of the way early. So I uh, stocked down on Pac-12 play. Will never happen again, Shotgun. I have stock down on the end for Caleb Williams. Uh, I mean, we've already touched about on this, and you've already touched on this. Just like just a very disappointing end to you know a very impressive career. You know, with the Heisman, 
uh, all those plays, you know, just a generational special player. So just to end like that in a, in a crushing rivalry loss at home in the Coliseum, you got, you did get one more touchdown drive, you know, out of, out of his, uh, his time at USC. He didn't even score it though. You know, it was a run, but still the end for Caleb Williams. And, you know, it's pretty painful, I guess, to go, to go out that way. I have stocked down on ball security, just some brutal fumbles in that game with, you know, Zachariah Branch and uh, another momentum feeding play for UCLA after, you know, stopping them at midfield. They go down, get a score out of that. And then just a brutal fumble that turned into a defensive touchdown for UCLA that really kind of was the one that kind of broke the back of this game wide open. And, you know, that's when it started to avalanche for them. So just just stock down on the ball security. And then I have stock down on the productivity this week because it is Thanksgiving week. So everyone's already focused on, you know, getting that Thanksgiving break. And then on top of that, USC having a defensive coordinator search and, you know, they're trying to get that out of the way. So a lot of people are just refreshing the site and going to the site and, and not getting any work done going into Thanksgiving uh, on Thursday. So I've stocked out on the productivity shotgun. Uh, you mentioned the the Marshawn Lloyd fumble, um, and Lincoln Riley said on Trojans Live this week, he said they told the team at halftime the beginning of the third quarter would be really telling. He was right. He sure as hell was right because UCLA scores on a 15-play drive. Remember there was the fumble in that drive. I don't remember if that was they recovered it or if that was ruled down. I don't remember exactly, but UCLA still retained the ball, and then they scored a touchdown on – like you said, could have been a sack. Jalen Smith, if he gets there half second earlier, Jamal Muhammad comes up late and leaves the running back wide open. Um, the next offensive play, I think it was, maybe two later, Marshawn Lloyd fumbles, scoop and score, touchdown. Suddenly it's a 14-point swing, um, and you know USC never recovers after that. Uh, so completely agree with you that that, had, that was the ultimate swing in the game. But there were several other opportunities along the way, and the two fourth downs really played into it too. So I stocked down on offensive line, particularly the run blocking. I mean, the unit just never lived up to the expectations this entire season. It's not one individual player's issue. It was basically Jonah Monheim did his job all year for the vast majority of the time, was good. to not. I wouldn't even say he was great. And then everyone else was somewhere in the middle whether it be below below average to just barely above average, like, but it's all in the average area at max. Um, so the offensive lines, I don't know if it just didn't gel exactly what it was, but they never came together in the way we thought they would with the guys they brought in and the talent they had coming back. Um, so, you know, the, the offensive line was stocked down and then particularly the run blocking. I mean, the fourth down play to start the game, the first one, three of the five linemen whiffed. Two of them ended up on their knees in front of the play. I, you can't – like Austin Jones has no chance. You can't break one tackle. There's still three more guys there. Um, so, and again, like I said, that was – I think it started as second and two. And then, you know, threw the ball on third down to Zachariah Branch. He picks up a couple yards. They lost a couple yards on second down. But just not good enough. Also, it was interesting to me. Like, they did some interesting things in this game. Like, they took out Lake McCree to go to a two-tight end set. With Jude Wolf and Carson Tabarachi on that play, on that fourth down play, Tabarachi was in on the Caleb Williams touchdown in Oregon. It'd been like the first time he played offense since probably Stanford game. 
So suddenly going to two tight end and not having, you know, your number one tight end out there was kind of strange to me. Maybe that's like you're going to have a special package in there because you think Tabarachi's done a really good job or something, but it did not work. Um, they didn't throw they didn't throw that package out there much more after that, as far as I remember. So that was a little strange as well. Stock down on the longer it goes, the better it gets. Chris Trevino was on the money with this. They better not have an offseason slogan because, good God, how bad is that one? I, Chris, I'm going to have to ask you, you think about this one, but and I know you weren't around at the time, but worst offseason slogan, that one, or prep not hype for the 2012 team that started number one and ended up going to the Sun Bowl. So think about that. So, yeah, the slogan was terrible, because especially when USC finishes losing five of their last six, and multiple of those games, they couldn't close things out. Stock down tackling, as I mentioned, you know, they have their streak going now. Uh, they had been above average for a couple games. Now, that had been like nine or ten, but they had 13, 14 in this game, so that went down. Anthony Lucas, I think he played two snaps. I think that was on the first drive, and then I don't think we saw him again. Um that one's just been a big mystery. And unfortunately he's a guy I've wanted to ask about a bunch, but not being around, I get, you know, I might give one question a week to Lincoln rally. So I haven't had a chance to ask about him, but it's just been strange. So we haven't been able to see him more. And the fact they haven't been able to get any production out of him as after how much talk there was of him coming into the season about him being an athletic freak. If he can just figure a couple things out, all that type of stuff. And it just has never happened this season. Next defense coordinator, that would be one of my priorities. If I can get Anthony Lucas and Corey Foreman to live up anywhere close to the hype, what a big addition that becomes. That's a transfer level, four or five-star transfer level addition if I can get those guys to live up to their expectations because those guys are both freaks and have the potential but have not done anything at their time at USC. One on three years, one on one year, obviously, but, um, you know, they have a chance to still get better. We'll see if that can happen. And then I had covering the sticks. How many times do we see zone coverage, particularly particularly on third downs, third and six, third and eight, third and seven, or whatever, third and medium, third and four? And whatever it was, USC was always – defenders were always like three yards behind the sticks. They're like, oh, third and seven, I'm going to drop 12 yards deep, or I'm going to drop 10 yards deep. What? what? No one knows how to play the sticks? Like, I don't know if that's awareness. I don't know if that's coaching to say, hey, let's play a little bit behind. We'll come up, make a tackle. How many times did UCLA just be able to dump the ball over the middle to either the tight end or Logan Loya? And then they were just, you know, they pick up the next three or four yards after the catch and pick up a first down. I mean, they had, I I think RJ tweeted they had, I think it was 14 to 20 um, on third down attempts. That's a shit ton of attempts for one. But a lot of those were just, Ethan Garber's dumping it over. They didn't have a 20-yard pass in this game. He missed on anything he tried to throw deep. Um, and he had a couple chances. J. J. Michael Sturdivant, um, you know, and maybe that's why Kyle Ford's numbers have been so poor this year is because they can't throw the ball downfield. But you, even though they can't throw the ball downfield, USC kept dropping super deep and letting them throw it underneath and get, you know, pick up first downs over and over and over. And they could go on those 15-yard drives because they could still run the ball as well. USC couldn't consistently do that at all. So those are my stock downs. They're there's plenty more we could add, and I'm sure we'll get to some of them as we start talking. Uh, but those are the ones from the games that really stood out. Can you say that 2012 slogan again? The 2012 slogan was prep, not hype. And the most important thing was 
Lane Kiffin actually had it um, had it airbrushed on the field on the sideline right in front of the media pin. Uh, so there's a famous picture of it. You know when they came out. I think it was when they came out for spring ball. I could be wrong about that, but uh, that was the slogan going into that. And they ended up going from the preseason number one to seven and five, and Lane Kiffin having a shiner in the Sun Bowl. And USC is very close to that this season. Very a lot of similarities there as far as the preseason hype. Just Lincoln Riley better you know watch out, make sure he doesn't get punched or something if they get sent to El Paso. I would say this season slogan is worse because it's. I mean, they both have aged terribly, but the longer it goes, the better we get. Is so funny seeing as they collapse in the absolute second <laughs> half of the season. So, and I watched this team. I didn't watch the 2012 team, but, you know, preseason number one to Sun Bowl is pretty bad um, with that slogan. But I'm just going to have to go with just the meta-ness of this one with True. being the longer we go, the better we get. The narrator, they did not get better as they went. So, yeah, <laughs> it's going to go with that one. But a very... Kind of a take it or leave it. I'm throwing here early. All right. What if the what if the off season slogan is "fuck a slogan"? Ooh, see now we're we're talking. Oh, you'll now, take that. You'll I take would take that. that. Um, instead of a slogan, though, what I would have is some of the UCLA tweets. You know, for the offense line, I'd have three rushing yards. UCLA tweeted that out. You know, there's video of uh, UCLA planting the flag in the middle of the Coliseum. Did notice, and Sue Cravens pointed out, pretty interesting that you let all the USC players leave before you did it. But all right, whatever. Um, but those would be the things that I have. Those would be the slogans. Pictures worth a thousand words, right? So we get a thousand word slogan out of these, Chris. I would put, I would have those plastered up everywhere. Every locker, you're going to look at it. every running back or offensive lineman, three rushing yards. You gave up more sacks than you had rushing yards. Gave up four sacks. You had three rushing yards. Like that's unacceptable in a, in any game, but it's a travesty in a rivalry game uh, because, and they only went they only went positive on that Austin Jones seven yard touchdown run, longest run of the day. I think that was the final offensive snap for USC. I'd have to look it up, but um, final play they got positive yards. Otherwise, they would have been at negative four before that run. So. And granted, part of that's the sacks and whatnot, but it's just, it was terrible. So, yeah, those would be my slogans. Photos in every locker. You should be ashamed of yourself. Um, you know, I wouldn't let anybody wear a cardinal for a while. Like, you have to earn your colors back. Like, UCLA sapped your colors. They took all the color out of you. You are now hueless. You are in monotone. You don't get anything but a white or a black T-shirt. I don't know. These are some of my suggestions for Lincoln Riley and their coaching staff. Um, but also I wanted to throw one more um, stock in there. I don't know exactly where it fits. I guess stock up on relevancy, as Lincoln Riley called it. He said the relevancy of the programs returned. And the quote that he had on Trojans Live, which has gotten a lot of attention from, from my tweets uh, or my Twitter mentions, the year didn't finish the way we wanted. And two days later, you got a million things going on in the sports world. And one of the top stories still is USC football. Now we have to change the narrative of the story. And he went on to, to say, you know, that they will and these other things. I didn't have enough characters for everything, but I, I don't even know what to make of that, Chris. 
yeah, you are relevant, but is this what you want to be relevant for? At USC, you're you're going to be the talk, one way or another. They're going to talk about you on game day and everything else. Uh, but whoa, that's uh, that was that was one that I was not prepared to to fully type out this evening. Yeah, it feels like the kind of uh, negative relevancy that USC had under Clay Helton, but to a higher extent. You know, when Clay Helton was the head coach, you know, they were still kind of nationally relevant in the sense that they were a punchline. Mm. Now, even more so, they're, quote unquote, nationally relevant. But it feels like even more of a punchline just because, you know, of how the season collapsed with a generational talent like Caleb Williams and obviously uh, Feinbaum flaming uh, Lincoln Riley this week. So that that hasn't helped. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I haven't watched that bad. one yet. I saw that he right. did say some stuff, but I have not watched it. Yeah. So he's right. I mean, he's right in one thing that they do have to change that narrative. But yeah, he's right to an extent, but also it's like a little bit worse into the past extent of it, how it was under Clay Helton in terms of the laughing stock. And, and of, maybe uh, if he said it in a different way, maybe it would have come off better because yeah, sure. the big thing was, you know, with USC fans, it was more USC fans than national, but. USC had gotten to the point in that four and eight season where it wasn't anyone mocking you anymore. It was just apathy, like no one cared. And so you are still relevant. People are still talking about you. So I guess that is better than being no one talking about you, but that's the next step. So you got to turn things around, not just change the narrative. You got to turn things around. That is going to take us to the end of our stocks up and stocks down even though it looks like you're about to throw one in my face he's shaking his head no we obviously don't have a game to preview but we can just touch on you know maybe where usc is going to be playing in the postseason for a bowl game i know people are saying don't take the bowl game decline the bowl game well as gerard pointed out it's vital that some of these young players get those you know 15 extra practices it's vital that you get those uh you get extra development a lot of young players use those bowl practices with guys you know declaring or you know going to the nfl or or not playing so it's critical development for those those late year postseason bowl practices so yeah i think usc is definitely taking a bowl game so we're not even going to really touch on that but some of the options kind of real quick yeah yeah it's it's one of the dumbest takes out there. Oh. Why would you not like the thing is fans say that because they're so upset. They don't want to watch something else. You don't have to watch those 15 practices. Those 15 practices are way more important than what happens in the game. You don't have to watch the game. It's around the holidays. Go spend time with your family. What are you bitching and whining about? You don't have to be there. You don't have to go. That those 15 practices are going to be are critical. And it's not even actually a set number of 15. It's kind of, you know, depending on when your season ends and when the game is, you know, there's an unset number. You just can only practice your 20 hours a week like you normally uh, would. But it's critical for extra bowl games. I mean, extra practices for young guys, like you mentioned. But it's also going to be huge if you're getting a DC in by next week, maybe. If you have a DC in by next week, then you start bowl practices, then – 
you don't want your DC to see what he's working with. You don't want him to get his hands on people to begin with. Now nah, let's just wait till the spring until we do that. That's not a big deal, right? No, you want to, you want to see, and then you want to challenge some of those guys that are the, the guys that are on the cut line. I know there's not a true cut line in college sports, but the guys are going to be like, I think it might be best you look elsewhere. I don't think you're going to get any playing time here. Those type of guys challenge those guys and be like, your roster spots on the line. I need to see something from you in the next couple weeks or else we need you to enter the transfer portal because it's going to be better for you. It's going to be better for us. So like those things are so important as you're trying to build and practices are so important towards culture. And that's the thing that needs to change the most. So yes, you take the bowl game. Even if you go out and you don't play any of your seniors, you just play all young guys in the game. I don't care. The practices are what matter towards next year because if if practices didn't matter coaches wouldn't do spring they'd just be like now we're good there's no game at the end of that why why do we care because it's important for development and development is so crucial in college sports sorry tangent well well said rant there shotgun so some of the bowl game options or the main ones that have are involving USC at this moment are the LA Bowl. I would see a very local bowl at SoFi Stadium that would be played December 16th. There's the Las Vegas Bowl, December 23rd. USC making it back to Vegas, but not for the uh the right reasons, not for the right <laughs> game shotgun. And not then the, the right Sun weekend. Bowl and the Sun, yes, exactly. And the Sun Bowl in El Paso on December 29th. If I'm ranking these, I want to go to the Vegas Bowl then the LA Bowl, and then the Sun Bowl. Holiday Bowl is also in there, kind of being considered. That's the 27th, I believe. But, you know, give me Vegas or give me death. (laughs) So the LA Bowl and the Las Vegas Bowl would both be on Saturdays. The Sun Bowl would be on a Friday, which makes it even less desirable. Um, What this team deserves is the Sun Bowl. You know, again, so that it follows the same pattern as 2012. Star quarterback comes back, so much hype, doesn't happen, whatever. But that's what this team deserves. Now, what's better? What will actually happen? You know, and maybe the Sun Bowl is actually better for this team because it is so much later. Um, you know, and the coaches won't be in the midst of trying to finalize, you know, National Signing Day while they're trying to prep for the game as well. So maybe that's best for the program, best for the team. It wouldn't be best for the fans to go to El Paso versus Vegas or just staying in LA. Uh, but you know, that, that may be the actual best option for the team. Now, if they go to Vegas, Chris, I'm just going to let you know, I'm not going to be there. I'm not leaving two days before Christmas to go back to Vegas on the weekend where I shouldn't be there when there's not going to be USC basketball playing against Gonzaga the next day. That's what I signed up for. That's what I should be going to do for the Pac-12 championship. But no, the football team did not keep up their end of the deal on that bargain that we supposedly made. So, um, and the LA Bowl, we'll see. You know what that happens. I may actually be in Alabama that time to go watch some hoops as well. But LA Bowl would would be, I think, a disappointment because you want to travel for a bowl. But for fans, hey, you get to stay home. So you know the bowl itself may like USC as a potential um, option there um, because. There's there's picks, there's a hierarchy of picks, and then it gets to a certain point, and then it's just about where teams finish. 
So that's why USC is kind of up in the air. I don't know the exact, maybe they could still, I doubt they could still go to the Alamo Bowl, but the Holiday Bowl is a little bit further down. So maybe that's still an option as well in San Diego. But like you said, those are the options. Those are probably, those are the five at max, the Alamo and Holiday included in the, these three we mentioned. But those three we meant, we talked about are the most likely destinations for USC. Much different than what we anticipated before the season. Much different. Shotgun, I know projections are BS most of the time, but would it make you uh would it make you have FOMO if it was USC Maryland in the unofficial Las Vegas, the official 10K bowl? Would you feel have a little <laughs> more FOMO if it ended up being Maryland versus USC in the Vegas Bowl? I would be disappointed not to be there with you, Chris, because I know you would enjoy that matchup. Um, your alma mater versus the team you cover. So that'd be fun. Um, but and especially if there's some Maryland alums coming in. Uh, but yeah, I won't be able to make that one, but we'll see who they, they match up with. And the, the Vegas bowl, if there's a big 10 team, do you really want to play a big 10 team before you go into the big 10? I don't know. You know, you can look at that two different ways as well. Uh, the sun bowl, I think the affiliation is an ACC team, but it could be someone else depending on the slotting and everything, uh, you know, if they have enough teams that, you know, all that will be decided this weekend, the bowl game will be announced on Sunday. Uh, so, you know, if we do a show next week, we may be talking about the sun bowl versus Vegas bowl versus LA bowl, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Shotgun. I think it's the time to take our break. We come back. We'll take some questions, some take it or leave it and some overtime and no score prediction. So we cut that. We got to cut that shotgun. No score prediction this week. So let's take our quick break and then we'll be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. 
Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash rs10 today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shotgun, we are back. I'm thinking of adopting fuck a slogan for our off-season slogan for this podcast. <laughs> what do you, what say you? I think we, we're going to have to slow down the curse words. I think the FTC is coming after us. Uh, as many it has as been a curse-heavy episode. Yeah, you started I mean, it. Well, we did watch it. that. We did watch how USC's effort on Saturday. So I think we're yeah, entitled to a enough. couple. If we have Fair to, enough. if that's what we have to endure while working, you know, it's not a great working condition. So when you're put in those working conditions, you're not very happy afterwards. Fair enough. Shotgun, we got plenty of questions. You've been cultivating them uh, for several hours now. So I think it's time we jump into them. I got one leading off from Gustavo. Helium boys, what did y'all do to protect Chris as the DC announcement extended? Asked today. Um, it's actually very easy to get a witness protection detail. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if you know that. You just need like a valid driver's license and $50. So, you know, uh, I got that process going, so I'm going to be okay. Uh, he does have a real take it or leave it. Uh, take it or leave it. USC will have a top 60 defense next year with the new DC. That's so hard to say at this moment. One, because you don't know the D.C. Uh, we know the candidates. Uh, we can talk about that in a little bit if you want, Chris. Um, but you don't know the roster. Like, the transfer portal opens in, what, two weeks? There's going to be some attrition there for USC. There's also going to be some addition. Can they finally get somebody to play beside Barry Alexander? Can they get another impact player like him? Can they get, you know, uh, another uh, edge rusher that can make an impact? Can they get a linebacker that tackles? Can they get another? They're going to have to get another cornerback potentially uh, with Christian Roland Wallace gone. So that's it's hard to say. I'm going to just be optimistic and say sure they're going they're going to do it. I was super optimistic last year and that didn't turn out very well. So I don't know if I should be, but um, I'll be a little bit optimistic and go for it. We got a question. What about you, Chris? You, you can just not answer. Oh, I mean, well, I'm going to leave it just because you laid out all these things where I don't know right now. So I'm going to just be be on the safe side and leave it. So that was my thinking there. Right. Uh, we have a question from Paul. How did Clay Helton accomplish more with Sam Darnold than Riley with Caleb Williams? And with Sam Darnold, they obviously won a Rose Bowl and a Pac-12 championship in his final year. So how did he accomplish more with Sam Darnold? I can tell you one thing. They had a better defense, Shotgun. They had uh, a defense that allowed like 12 points less. I looked it up. They were like the number 36 in scoring defense uh, that year and number 60 in 2017. So obviously not elite defenses, but they were much better than what USC has right now. And their defense went numbers went down a lot with that Rose Bowl. What was it, 52 to 49, I think was the final score. So uh, that definitely played into it. But, the, yeah, the infrastructure 
was much better for Clay Hilton with Sam Darnold, and the defense was better. I mean, there's just more talent on the field in collective. The offensive line, even though Sam Darnold ran around a lot, the offensive line wasn't – it was much worse the second year than it was his first year. Uh, but, you know, the offensive line was more consistent. And the defense, you know, the defense had a defensive line at that time. Those were, if I'm remembering correctly, that's, you know, Rasheem Green was still in the 2016 team. Stevie Tui Kolovatu coming in, helping push that Rose Bowl push. I mean, he was huge. Um, and that Anna? was a guy that was a, it was a toss away basically for Utah. So USC needs to find some more toss aways from Utah, apparently. Uh, De La Cruz asks, do you think USC will lose more portal transfers than they receive? I think they will receive more than they lose. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's probably going to be about 50 50. Um, that's kind of how it's averaged out recently. You know, when you think about the guys like Britton Allen leaving and stuff like that, like there's going to be some guys, the French guys that are going to take off that, you know, aren't getting the playing time or whatever. So, mm-hmm. and I think that they're, they're more comfortable with, the guys they brought in the last class and the one class they're bringing in. So they probably won't feel at, that they have to get as many pieces from the portal. Um, so maybe you don't take a flyer on someone, um, you know, on the defensive line, you get Barry Alexander. Maybe you're not taking Keon bars and Jack Sullivan and Anthony Lucas, you know, all at the same time. And Jamil Muhammad, um, you know, you just, you got Romello Hike kind of being a transfer portal addition as well. So you're like adding five new guys, six new guys there. I don't think that'll necessarily be the case this year. I think maybe you feel more comfortable with some of the positions where you don't have to, all right, one of these three guys is going to work and kind of go from there type of thing. He Alexander asks, the all pack 12, uh, the all pack 12 wide receiver, Doran Singer and punter from, the U of A and the Arizona State, Eddie Chaplitsky, last year came to USC and regressed this year. Poor coaching. Um, I mean, poor coaching on the special teams coordinator that they don't have. Um, I mean, if we want, we can blame Ryan Daugherty for, Daugherty for it, but I think it's lack of opportunity for both of them. You didn't punt as much, I don't think, uh, as you did last year at Arizona State when they were terrible. And... Dorian Singer didn't get as many opportunities. And I don't think he's necessarily fits perfectly in this. We've talked about this in the past, uh, but, you know, they don't throw the jump balls that often, and that's what he's really good at. So, you know, he never found that connection with Caleb Williams. So we'll see next year if there's something different there, if he's still around and, you know, he has a good connection with Miller Moss or Malachi Nelson or what exactly it is, we'll see. Do you want to guess the difference in number of punts this year versus last year? For USC or for Shablitsky? Yeah, USC. USC. USC probably punted 15 more times this year. No, 10 more times. So about one more per game, which is one more possession. And then when you factor in turnovers, where USC turned the ball over a little bit, that probably probably 15 to 20 more possessions that they did not end in a positive manner. Uh, I really like this question from JP. Would you rather have a last season's offensive line or last year's defense on the 2023 team? I think last year's D would have gotten two more wins this year. They gave up a lot of big plays, but also made a lot of big plays. 
That's good. That's a, that's a great reasoning because obviously the regression from the turnovers has been massive for the defense from 2022 to 2023. I feel like I want to take the offensive line, but I think just with the turnovers alone, I think you have to go with the defense from last from 2022 and you get Thule. Yeah, you get Thule and you get Makai Blackman. That's two, you know, top three round picks. Oh, guys, yeah. Or top four round picks. Um, I would take the offensive line, though. I'm taking two All-Americans. Um, and a big part of that is there's no guarantee that they get the same amount of turnovers. So the turnover luck, you know, what's to say that this year's team, if they somehow got the turnovers, wouldn't be the same as last year. And that's just guys catching the ball occasionally. You know, Demonte Jackson had a couple that went off his hands, and now that's also creating those turnovers. So there is some belief that they would create more turnovers, but I still think at the offensive line, they run the ball a little bit better than, you know, more consistently than you can get ahead and stay ahead in some of those games against Washington, against uh, even Oregon. Uh, I just think you can play a little bit differently. So I trust, I would trust Brett Nealon and Andrew Voorhees. Dick can't go wrong, really, with uh, two All-Americans on the offensive line. Ryan Hawkins asks, I hear a lot of people say the defense will suffer when the same team uses the air raid. Practice against the air raid doesn't help the defense get ready for other styles of offense. Doesn't the defense practice against a scout team? Uh, They do, but I think more so to the point it's talking about spring camp and summer fall camp when you're doing a large part of your, you know, kind of culture building and getting the team and fighting starters and all that. Yeah. And it's, they do go against the scout team, but it's also, can you go one-on-ones? Like, you know, if you're, you should be going one-on-ones pretty much every practice that you're going and you're going to be facing air raid then. Um, And so, you know, it's also how much does, the offense and the, this is area general, like how much do you put into your nine on seven period where it's run and you know, it's going to be a run and your offense line has to go block somebody and your defense has to get off blocks and go. And if you're, if you're believing in the Mike Leach where we're going to spread our touches around, you know, between our five skill players, they each should get 20% and the running backs, a guy we're going to throw to for half of his, so he's not going to get a ton of runs, then you're not going to really focus a ton of time on that nine on seven. You're going to spend more time on seven on seven. And so that's the difference. You know, those calluses that you build up from the repeated battles in the trenches, you should kind of hate some of the guys on the other side of the the team, at least at practice. I remember when I practiced, like I hated our middle linebacker in high school because he would cheap shot the shit out of me. I didn't play. I didn't play defense. I, so I'm running scout team offense. I'm running a regular offense. I couldn't tackle to save my life. I could hit people, but don't expect me to wrap up. I would I would look good on this USC defense. I would look I look I fit right in. Uh, but he would you know we were great friends off the field, but on the field I'd throw the ball at him. I like get up and try to fight him. Like all like that's what it should be. I feel like in practice when you have offense going against defense, like you shouldn't like the other side of the ball until practice whistles are over. There should be some scrums. There should be some fighting offensive linemen versus defense linemen. And you build up those calluses and that that anger towards the other side when you go through those nine on seven when it's close combat, not 
seven on seven where you're seven yards away, you're 10 yards away, you're playing a zone coverage, you, know, you get up and you have one-on-ones and stuff, but that's a – usually how long have one-on-one periods been, Chris, when you were charting them? They last, what, 10 minutes at max? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, all right, well, I need that one-on-one period, and then I need nine-on-seven, and then I need team. And so now we've got at least 30 to 40 minutes every day where I'm going one-on-one against you over and over and over. And that's how you get really good when you're, you know, you're an offensive tackle facing Thule or, you know, you're a, you're a center facing Barry Alexander. And I think that you don't, if you don't prioritize that, then you're not going to build those calluses in the trenches. And I think that's been one, been the common refrain when air raid offenses for their air raid defenses. Question from Esoteric Simpleton. When was the last time USC won a game they weren't expected to win? 2016 versus Washington? Maybe 2017 versus Stanford. It's so depressing to be a USC fan. I don't really remember the vibe of the 2017 Stanford game. I Or is that the Pac-12 championship they're referring to? But for me, it was definitely 2016 Washington. Like, that was – that. that's my pick. I mean, that's the time, the last time they got a big upset, for sure. Um, the 2017, if I remember correctly, they played early in the season. USC wasn't expected to win, and they won. And then they also won in the championship. Um, but I would have to look at the schedule for that. I did look up the last time they won as an underdog was actually at Utah during the 2020 COVID year. They were a one-point dog. They won 33-17. We were all surprised at how well they played, but it wasn't really like you were super shocked that they won the game. Um, you, you know, So they were technically not expected to win, but one-point dog when you're on the road, that's really not that much. But before that, though, was actually against Utah the previous year when they were a three-and-a-half-point dog. They lose their quarterback on the second play of the game and then go out and YOLO raid their way to a 30-23 win. So I would say that game actually is the one where, especially when you saw Keaton Slovis go down, you're like, oh, they're putting him Matt Fink against this the this DB lineup that has Jalen Johnson and uh, there are two other guys who are NFL guys as well, and they just torched him over and over. Michael Pittman going up over people and you know uh, Tyler Vaughn's having a big game too, so – uh, that was probably the the most recent one, but 2016 is also. But part of that is USC is a favorite a lot. Like last year, they were the favorite in all but one game, I think, if I remember looking it up correctly. So hard to be like, oh, they weren't expected to win that game when they're a favorite every game, too. Nick Lanford asked, if you were the head football coach and could run any offense you wanted, which would it be? I would say whatever LSU was running in 2019, that's what I would run. <laughs> that's my answer. Whatever Joe Brady was cooking up, that's my answer. What happened to Joe Brady since then? I haven't heard his name in a while. Um, he fired from the Panthers, mm-hmm. and now he's the Bills' interim OC because they fired their uh, their OC. So that's right. That's uh, Ken Dorsey. Miami hit, yeah. uh, quarterback. Uh, I would run a spread offense. You know, at least that's what I always play with the Madden or, you know, NCAA when it had now everyone just the most simple answer is you run multiple. What kind of defense do you run? Multiple. What kind of offense? You run? Multiple. We run a little bit of everything. That, you do. You do. You run the, you know, UCLA comes out in a power T formation in the last game. Like you wouldn't say that they're a power T team. You know, everyone mixes and matches, but. My my principles would be spread because I was a wide receiver, so I'm putting three and four guys out there. 
We're not putting three tight ends on the field. USC Junie says, USC hires its top-tier defensive coordinator and its defense still struggles to stop opposing teams after the first year. What would be the leading issue? Culture, head coach, overrated talent. I would have to say culture. It would be a little bit of all three, but yeah, culture would be the biggest one um, because even if you don't have the best talent, and but your head coach creates a good culture, you can still win, and that's where it starts. Megalberry say we will see the same. Will we see the same type of USC at this year's bowl game that we got at last year's bowl game? One that doesn't want to be there. Now I put this one on here because I don't think I necessarily agree with it, but I wasn't there. So Chris, do you feel like the the USC team had given up or didn't want to be there in the Cotton Bowl? I I didn't get that impression. That I I think there was obviously a little bit of disappointment after you know coming so close to a actual championship but i also thought there was a lot of like let's go out there and end on a high note build us off into next season it's a new Year's six bowls a big bowl yeah. cotton bowl it's not like they were playing in the pop tarts bowl which for the record i would love to go to the pop tarts bowl but that is not a here nor there uh i don't even know where the actual pop tarts bowl is i'm getting distracted but i just i just feel like they wanted to be there. I mean, in a sense, they didn't want to be there. They'd rather be playing the playoff, but I still think that they gave gave a damn about winning the Cotton Bowl. So, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that uh, last part of the question, that they didn't want to be there uh, at the Cotton Bowl because it was still a big bowl. Um, but I don't know what type of bowl. I don't know what type of USC you're going to get at this year's bowl. Yeah, I, I don't mean, think that that would be minor bowls. Yeah, I don't think that was necessarily the case last year, but I think that is definitely a concern this year, especially with the way they ended against UCLA and some of the effort we saw. And if you get sent to El Paso, uh, do you really want to be in El Paso? Now, Vegas or L.A., hey, people are going to come see us. El Paso is just – there's not a lot of fans that come out. Um, again, it's on a Friday versus a Saturday, all those type things. Chris, I did not know there was a Pop-Tarts Bowl. I thought you were yeah, joking. You thought, you thought, I thought you, you were joking. You, you think this is a game to me? You think I joke about Pop-Tarts? I'm I'm this, all over this, this now. This this shit ain't sweet. I mean, pop tarts are sweet, <laughs> but this shit ain't sweet. Uh, all right, now we've got to we've got to diverge. Uh, what's your favorite pop tart flavor? Look, I'm gonna get a lot of shit, but I like. I'm not saying this is my favorite, but I'm saying I like unfrosted strawberry pop tarts. Um, what? Look, he's he's giving me a look. What? I like it when they're I like it when they're in the the oven or like the toaster oven and they get like crispy and like a little dark on the edges and they're like nice and good. look the sugar burns on the other ones and I don't like when it burns so I like the the un, unfrosted ones it's fine everyone's an adult here it's okay I can like what I want don't kink shame me for liking these pop tarts <laughs> that are unfrosted don't do that uh, but also when I was growing up. The, the obviously like the the purple the blueberry the wild berry the swirl the wild berry those were the elite ones i haven't seen those i know they still make them but i haven't seen them i'm not a brown sugar guy i don't like those um so those those are my kind of top two and he's probably just researching uh the, the pop tarts bowl run if, if usc was playing the pop tarts bowl on christmas shotgun would be there he would like i'm that, sorry i have that to would go. be my christmas to... yes that would be his christmas you thought it was lying come on man 
No, the uh, Pop Tarts Bowl is actually uh, the twenty twenty eighth or 29th. Um, I was looking up to make sure I didn't miss a flavor. I didn't forget one. I'm, I'm I love the brown sugar cinnamon. If you're heating them up, um, and I don't know if you're. It sounds like you're a toaster guy, um, which I'm yeah. perfectly fine with. But yeah. if you're if you're not toasting them, then I don't want brown sugar. I want fruity. So I want the blueberry, or okay. I don't know if you've had the strawberry milkshake. I've never had those. I've That's never. I didn't know they existed. And they, okay. if you find them, they'll probably be on clearance too. So it's even better. Uh, but no, those are fantastic, either hot or cold. Um, but, you know, I, I've never been one for the desserty ones, I would say. The ones that are more like the, like the s'mores cream or the s'more. Yeah. And, I'm, and I never, Double chocolate. I never actually was a brown sugar cinnamon fan until the last, I don't know, 10 years, until my adulthood. Um, mm. growing up, I was like, nah, I want, I want the fruity ones. I don't want any, this brown sugar. I don't want cookies and cream. I want, but now I'm, now I'm all about the brown sugar now. He, Who knew? I could tell in his voice that he really wants to cover this, this bowl, which is, which is formerly <laughs> the, the Cheez-Its bowl, which is formerly the Cheez-Its bowl. Wait, Unfortunately, okay. it is an ACC big 12 tie-in. It used to be big 10 shotgun. So we're shit out of luck when it comes to that. <laughs> but yeah, it is played in Orlando, Florida, which seems like a random place for Pop-Tarts. I don't think Florida, when I think Pop-Tarts, I don't know why, but I kind of think Midwest. That's just me. I don't know about you, but yeah, I, I want to know what the giveaways are. Is the hospitality suite just every kind of Pop-Tart? Do you get a Pop-Tart box at check-in? I have so many questions, and this is the first year of his existence, so you 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 could be damn sure I'm going to watch the Pop-Tarts Bowl. And what's year. interesting is because the Cheez-It Bowl... You know, it was the sponsor of this the last three years. Uh, this is the formerly the Camping World Bowl. That's what I remember it most as. I uh, actually started as, looking at the history here, is the Blockbuster Bowl oh, way back in 1990. Baby. The Blockbuster Bowl. Uh, I need to go find a Blockbuster Bowl t-shirt on eBay and just uh, freaking find that. We are definitely diverging here. Piece. We're on a tangent, but uh, let's say oh, the other sponsors for this this bowl. It was then the CarQuest Bowl for five years, the Micro in Micro NPC Bowl for two years, then the Micro NPC.com Bowl for a year, the Florida Tangerine Bowl, the Mazda Tangerine Bowl, the Champ Sports Bowl. That's also one I know it uh, pretty well as, um, and then the Russell Athletic Bowl, Camping World Bowl. And now the Cheez-It Bowl for three years, now to the Pop-Tart Bowl. But the, the interesting thing about the Cheez-It Bowl, and Cheez-It Bowl had really great is, um, like sweets and different things. Like remember the one player was allowed to stay in the Cheez-It room? Do you remember that? The hotel oh, room that was just like all Cheez-Its, everything? You uh, better be damn sure I remember the Cheez-Its Bowl <laughs> or Cheez-Its um, Bowl room. But th- that was with this bowl game because previously the Cheez-Its had a tie-in with the Pac-12 Bowl. What was the... USC played in the Emerald Bowl at one point became had the cheese it tie-in. So it was interesting the the sponsor jumped ship from I don't even know what bowl that is now for for the Pac-12. Maybe the LA Bowl is what is filled in that spot. Uh, but the game that was in NorCal played at AT&T Park with Pete Carroll's final game at USC was the Emerald Bowl against Boston College in AT&T. Well, at then it was AT&T Stadium. I don't even know what it's called now the giant stadium off the top of my head, but it was very interesting. I covered that game. It was pouring. I'm in a suit on the sideline. 
and there's nowhere to go because you're in between the two benches because it was a baseball stadium. So both of the teams were on the same sideline, which is just a weird thing too. And you're just kind of in the box in the middle. And like, there's no roaming like we would normally do um, because I was doing radio. I don't even know if the radio worked, if I remember correctly, because it was, again, it was raining. So that was an interesting experience. But then that became like the nuts.com bowl or something. I don't know. They changed the name a few times. Um, and then it left um, that bowl tie-in left Northern California. So I don't know exactly what they replaced it with, but cheese it bowl was, was the sponsor at one point too. So, but I think the swag has been much better when the cheese it bowl has been in Orlando. So we'll see what they do with pop tarts. I have found a couple blockbuster bowl shirts, which is great. I do feel like (laughs) searching blockbuster bowl though. Most of the options are literal vintage popcorn bowls with the blockbuster thing on it. So there seems like a market for that. I mean, Uh, there is. The three years of the Blockbuster Bowl seems like intriguing matchups. I mean, 1990, Florida State, Penn State, 24-17 game. 91, Alabama, Colorado, 30-25 game. And then in 93, Stanford, Penn State, 24-3 game. So seems like there's intriguing matchups, at least from the names of the teams. I'm going to be honest. I'm tempted to figure out a way to get this logo for the Blockbuster Bowl and make it part of our merch. Just a (laughs) Blockbuster. I don't care if I get sued. Who's going to sue me? Who's going to sue me? Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore. No one's going to sue me. So I'm going to play around with this, but there's a hoodie. There is a a Blockbuster Bowl hat shotgun. It's not your style of hat, though, unfortunately, but it looks like a real vintage Blockbuster Bowl hat. We have gone way too off the rails here. So shotgun, (laughs) I can only do one more football kind of question before I do the the last little fun one. So you have to choose. Uh, let Dave, me just run. Let me just run through these quick. I'll quick fire these. Dave had how many times did the SEC SC defense not allow any points when the opponent entered the red zone? Out of how many entries? I looked it up. Eight percent of the time, opponents did not score when they entered the red zone. They had fifty attempts. They scored forty six times. Thirty four of those were touchdowns. USC's in the bottom. I don't know twenty of teams in all those categories. Um, and then we had three on on Instagram, so I wanted to hit those real quick. We gotta get our Instagram up, Chris. Uh, Deck Doster want to know: Is the rumor of Lincoln Riley having interest in the Texas A&M job true? I can't really say for sure. I'm going to say it's a, just a rumor for right now. But also, you know, Lincoln Riley and LSU was a rumor last year that turned into something else. But yeah. as of right now, I would say that is a, a just a rumor. Uh, and M. Vargas want to know, do you think Leonard – I thought that was an interesting question. Do you think Jim Leonard is Grinch-like? USC fans just probably shuddered for a second there. What do you mean? Um, great at getting the most out of medium talent play and you know, play, players playing above their means, but maybe struggle with using elite talent. Now, Jim Leonard, we do not have that, you know – He's he's had some good players at Wisconsin, so I don't know that I would make the direct correlation from what Grinch did at Washington State, but it, it could be a valid one. We don't know, you know, when he gets more athletic guys that you would get in Southern California versus what you get in the Midwest, and can you get the big tanks that you would normally get in the Midwest when you're, you know, just the body types are a little bit different? Can he excel with them? I think it's an interesting parallel, but obviously, I think. Any USC fan would still take Leonard 100 times out of 100 for for USC and pairing him with this offense, even though, you know, 3-4, you know, can you get those big 
two gap bodies on the defensive line, I still think you would you're willing to roll the dice and, and run with it as a guy who has consistently produced not just top defenses, but tough freaking defenses, hard nosed defenses, which is something, you know, USC has not had for a long, long time. And then the final one was Timpson uh, Camperin. I think, I think his name is Cameron. Um, but he says, stock up, stock down on offense and defensive positions. Uh, what say you? Offensive line, stock down for sure. Yeah, I would say stock down. Wide receivers, stock down. Yeah. Running backs, that's the intriguing one. That feels stock neutral to me. I mean, it seems like Marshawn Lloyd would come back again. You're losing Austin Jones. You, you have a talented Quentin Joyner. I would feel like that's a a uh, a neutral one for me. Are we talking about? Are you you're referencing next year? I don't know. What am I? I referencing? was I was comparing 2022 to 2023. That was my. Oh, I was comparing to the next year. I don't. Oh, <laughs> it's not. It's it's not. We're not on the same page with this one, and it speaks to my point of I don't want to stock down the entire defense and offense. All right. Well, I'll do 2022 to 2023. You could do the okay. future. So 2022 to 2023, where are they at from last year? Offensive line stock down. Wide receivers stock yeah. down. Running backs. Yeah. I'm going to say stock, stock up. Down. Just say it. Just stop it. Down? Okay. Travis Dye provided so much more than just his running ability. Tight end stock hey, up. Quarterback stock up. Okay. The Williams was better than it. Numbers were better than last year. Defense aside, defensive line, mm, stock down. Stock down. So much more production from Thule. Uh Linebackers, stock down because they never played Eric Gentry enough. DBs. Uh, if we're going to just put DBs as a, as a whole thing, then I would say stock down. Even if I separated cornerbacks right. and safeties, I would still probably say stock down. So defense all stock down. Special team stock up because you got Zachariah Branch. There you go. There you go. The final question. Oh, you didn't want to do your, your, your half of it? No, I don't because <laughs> uh, I'm already I'm already over it. All right. Uh, our final question comes from Samuel. Since Thanksgiving is coming up, what are your top three holidays ranked in order? This is fun. I would say for me, Thanksgiving is number one because I like to cook. I like being, you know, cozy up, cozied up in like sweatpants and a hoodie and drinking a mimosa. Obviously I wasn't drinking mimosas when I was seven, but I'm saying I just <laughs> like the feeling of being bundled up, watching football. Uh, Christmas is second for me. Buying presents and figuring out what I'm going to buy people for Christmas stresses me the F out. So that's what's dropping it. Still good food at Christmas. But Thanksgiving is about eating, and I like eating, and I like cooking. So I'm going to put that there. I'm kind of struggling to think of a third holiday right now. All right. I'll give you my list uh, while you're waiting. I agree with you on your top two. Thanksgiving has always been real big with my family. Kind of disappointed because I'm not there for it anymore. Uh, We had multiple Thanksgiving traditions, including I was always first in line. And one of my cousins, one of my female cousins was always second in line. We would always race to it, and we would be first and second every single time. Um, that was just part of it. But And then when Thanksgiving, when it got older, and when it becomes a boozy celebration, it was, was so much fun being around my family for that too. 
Um, but unfortunately, don't get the same interactions since I've moved around the country um, for my Georgia family. Christmas is number two. I love seeing the joy of everyone's faces when you give them a good present. And you better be good at giving them a good present because I'm giving you a true reaction, Chris. You give me a present. I don't like it. I'm going to show you my true reaction. I kind of stands on business when it comes to reactions. Okay. Thanks. Uh. Oh, socks. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Hey, socks are always a gift. Don't. Shotgun had a great reaction when me and Keely gave him his, uh, his, uh, his hat. So, yeah, the family feud hat. So that's that's he's he's being honest when he, when he says that. He's and then my third, then that. my third one is Fourth of July. Yeah, fireworks. I was and yeah. giant party all day long. I'm in. Plus, I love American history, and usually Band of Brothers is on. So even if you're hungover or whatever, you get to watch the Band of Brothers for twelve hours or ten hours. It's only ten hours. Maybe you watch um, repeat. Yeah, July Fourth is good for the grilling, but I also, as I've gotten older, I've just been so annoyed by fireworks. You know, I have a dog <laughs> that goes crazy. My brother is a veteran, and you know, veterans don't like fireworks for 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 what they are. You know, so I'm kind of down. I'm stocked down on Fourth of July as I've gotten older, and you know, one of my like great great uncles blew off his hand with a firework so like i'm just stocked down on fireworks oh, wow. in general so he, he, he more, more drone shows pick. more drone shows with the Trevino <laughs> yeah, yeah. give me give me give me more drone shows give me more 24th <laughs> century uh my and my uncle who or cousin who did blow off his hand ended up being a famous painter in mexico so he he was all right he was fine he was fine we're getting a whole like, family lesson t- <laughs> yeah i'm awesome. sorry we're, we're, we're doing that so i just want to say that is what's putting it down. I would probably say Valentine's Day, just because Valentine's Day is like two days before my birthday. No. So if I if I'm dating someone, I get extra goodies. I get extra goodies. So yeah, I, I will say, and I did a little dance with that. He, I did like the little, uh, little extra goodie, little shimmy. That like this, that's the extra goodies. Uh, not not yeah. a fan of Valentine's Day. Just complete commercialism. Um, oh, absolutely, absolutely. But extra goodie. <laughs> Extra goodies. Um, Labor Day is also a good one. Not because of anything about it, but it's the start of college football season, pretty much. It's the unofficial start of college football season. So we love Labor Day as well. Okay. That's a great point. A very great point. Indeed. Shotgun, that wraps up our questions. Are you ready for some take it or leave it? Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, Take it or leave it. When Lincoln Riley sits down for Thanksgiving dinner, there is a public new defensive coordinator for usc take it oh okay uh take it or leave it more than eight transfers leave this offseason from usc more than eight? i'm not yeah i'm not counting process guys like jamar sakona just went to the portal he was processed uh last spring so that one's that one was coming you know i'm talking about like guys who were played or were on this team this fall um, so we're not talking like the potential of like Zamarian Gordon or Fabian Ross, guys who did not enter a game. No, those count. They were on the team. Okay. They were in the weight okay. room. They played okay. on the, they were on the sideline. Okay, that's what I'm asking. Because you said okay. that guys yeah. that didn't play. Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna take it because I think there's enough people that you know uh that are upset with their playing time 
I know there's a lot of people, there's been a lot of, when you don't, Gerard said this on a podcast a while back and it just resonated. When you're winning, people can be okay with not playing. They might be upset, but they're not going to raise a, uh, you know, raise a ruckus. But then if you're not winning, when you're losing, you start going, I'm better than that guy. They need to play. Why are you not playing me over this guy? And so then there, the discontent starts. And so that winning solves a lot of problems. You always hear that. That's one of them. So I think there's going to be people. We know there's certain names that are out there, the Relief Browns and, you know, uh, guys that shut it down early, uh, you know, whether or not they come back. Uh, So we'll see what the final tally is, but I would not be surprised at all that it's that. I think there's a couple more offensive linemen that'll, that will technically be processed out. I don't know if you're counting those, um, but guys are just going to say, hey, you're not going to get playing time here, so it's best you move on. And basically, the entire 2020 class has been has been that so far. There's been a couple guys that are remaining. I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more potential offensive linemen and then also some of those DBs that just did not play at all. Never never really made sense why we never saw Zamarian Gordon. I mean, we only saw Anthony Beavers a little bit. We saw him in the final game. And, hey, he gets six tackles. Uh, you know, why does he not get an opportunity? I know he's playing behind Kalen Bullock, but you had to, you were forced into using him in that final game and looked pretty good. So does he say, Hey, I gotta, I gotta go find somewhere where I can get more consistent playing time. Or is there, you know, is there a couple guys to do that? Plus some guys that the linebacker room, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, with all the rotation and no one getting consistent and no one ever being satisfied with, okay, well, that guy's just playing better in front of me type of thing. So, you know, multiple positions on the defense, offensive line, probably a wide receiver, maybe, you know, a Darwin Barlow. You know, it just depends on some of these guys, uh, you know, if they if they can get become a graduate transfer so that they can transfer and still be eligible, I mean, can play because guys that are two-time transfers would have to sit out. But I'm taking it. Oh, Uh Take it or leave it. Kalen Bullock plays in the bowl game. Take it. And I've got questions about I don't that this is not sourced at all, but I've got questions about whether or not he thinks he needs to come back to re re uh to boost his stock. Like his stock's down right now. And I know he makes some plays, but like there are times and part of it is you know, Sue Cravens had a great breakdown on the pregame show talking about some of their pre-snap issues and their time. And that can be coaching or that could be the player. And there are times when, you know, pre-snap, he's not in the right place or other guys are not in the right or not shading in the right way to lean towards him in the middle of the field. He's a freak athlete, but he didn't have a great year. So does he need to come back to, to, you know, give his, his stock a boost or does he, do NFL people tell him you're going to be a cornerback anyways? We love your length. We love your size. We want you to come. You know, it, it be a discussion with his advisor, quote unquote, and then what they're hearing from NFL staffs. That's an interesting one, though. Look, then with Senior Day having happened on Saturday, you tweeted out six seniors with eligibility left on their uh their clock if you will take it or leave it two of those guys at least two of those guys are playing for usc next season 
Now, do you have the list in front of you? Because I don't remember off the top of my head all six of them. Yeah, I believe I don't have it in front of me. I looked it up, but it was Darwin Barlow, Stanley Tauafu, Max Williams. Um, I'm staggering here for the final. I can three. find it then. Uh, Darwin Barlow, but... Brendan Rice, Stanley Tauafu, uh, Taj Washington, Max Williams, and Jude Wolf. These are other guys that would be on my transfer portal list. Uh, like Max Williams still has a year of eligibility. Not going to the NFL. So if he wants to continue playing football, why would you have walked in the senior day? Like maybe the coaches have already said, or you know, you've seen the writing on the wall, whatever it is, you're not going to play next year. You're not going to have as, as significant an impact or significant role. So you decided. So if he wants to play, that's a guy that I would see as a transfer portal guy. Um, so you said two out of the six? I yeah, I don't see it. I mean, I would love to see Taj Washington come back, but I think he's already proven himself. Plus, he's smaller. You don't want to take any more hits on the body before you go to the NFL. He's proven himself as a special teams player as well, so he's going to go. Brendan Rice has proven what he can do, you know, the big body, the speed, all that combination, the bloodline. Uh, and then the other ones, I think, are more than likely transfer guys. If you're if you're going in that in that uh, walking in the senior day festivities, which is disappointing to see Darwin Barlow go in particular just because I never felt like he got an opportunity. And he's, every time he got a chance, like he got in the other day against UCLA, and I was like, just give him the ball. Just give him the ball. Let's see what happens. And I, I don't think that he had a touch. Uh, if he did, it he didn't have a chance to do much with it. Back on my final one, USC Hoops makes a Final Four with Juju Watkins. I'm going to take it. Because the recruiting class they got coming in next year is phenomenal. Top five recruiting class. Uh, and uh, Lindsey Gottlieb is super impressive every time we talk to her. And Juju Watkins is special. Special. Just She had some highlights in the game that they started the Bahamas trip with. Just, you know, behind the back, step through, Euro step. Just so smooth with everything she does. And she's six foot one, so she can see over the defense. She can drain three-pointers. She was six of eight in the game last week. She scored 100 points already, Chris, yeah. in four games. She's averaging 25 a game. So she's like in the she's in the top 10 nationally in scoring as a true freshman. She's pretty good. Pretty good. Shotgun, that's all I got for take it or leave it. Are you ready to have a little fun in the overtime? All right, let's go for it. This is going to be a new thing we've never really done. Oh. So I'm throwing a little curveball at you. It's still going to be, you know, a take it or leave it. Obviously, we have done like take it or leave it these Thanksgiving Day sides, but I'm going to mix it up a little bit because, you know, we've done that before. I have eight celebrities here and their favorite Thanksgiving sides foods. You are going to take or leave their favorite food and then you're going to rank where you would if you would want to sit next to this person at the thanksgiving table so you have eight slots but you can only put someone in one spot do you understand so like so i'm ranking who i want to sit beside or the closest to me yes so one being you know right next to you eight being the farthest from you at the table and once you place them there they're locked in there you cannot change anyone so you don't know if (laughs) You know, someone <laughs> better is going to be back. So you just got to play it by by ear. Do you understand? All right. All right. 
All right, he understands. So let's go. So remember, you're, so remember, you're taking the their food, their favorite food, as well as ranking them. So let's let's start off football wise. Uh, we're gonna go Tom Brady, and his favorite thing is his grandmother's biscuits. Oh, I love biscuits. I'm gonna take that. And I was gonna have Brady way down the list, but because he's bringing biscuits, we'll put him at five. Okay. Starting off with the the five spot, Tom Brady. His uh, you'll you'll be able to get to see his uh his uh Super Bowl ring shining in the light <laughs> there. Uh, okay. We have let's see, what we're gonna do we're gonna do Taylor Swift and her sweet potato casserole. More of a sweet potato souffle, more sweetness to it. Um, I'll be eating a lot of that because you know, like I said. Cheat day, Thanksgiving for no sugar this year. Um, I'll go with three with Taylor Swift. Okay, okay, Taylor I like Swift. Some, I like Keep, some Tay Tay. Keeping her close. Okay, at that at that three spot. And it's a, it's, I, I've, I've, podium. I've said this before and on this podcast, but I've got a hidden agenda. Like I don't like okay. Travis Kelsey because I want Taylor Swift to get with the weekend have a relationship and I want to see them get together, then break up, get together, then break up, get together and break up and just music. make music through all that because yeah, the music would be wants... phenomenal. Okay. I, I got I'm you. Selfishly. <laughs> yeah. Very, very selfish. As um, a big weekend fan. So. Uh, Nicki Minaj, curry chicken, curry chicken. Yeah. Thanks. Trinidadian. She's Trinidadian. They, they add a little flair to their, to their, uh, to their Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm taking the the meal. Okay. I don't, now I want to re-rank people. No, you can't. You're, you're uh, yeah, stuck there, baby. I don't know how. He doesn't I'm, know if there's somebody better on this list for that number one or two spot, and he's got to think. He's only had three people in. Uh, it's funny play. on the the seating the seating chart. Like once you get past four. You can't really talk to these people down the line. You have to yell over multiple people. You know I have no problem with that, Chris. And you know that I'm making my rounds at yeah, that's anything. True. You've seen me. Uh, with a stiff drink room. in his hand. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm going to put her at six just because I don't know what's coming. Okay. Um, okay. We'll see. That's fine. We'll see if I, I'm going to regret some of these decisions, I think, at the end. Okay. Uh, Tina Fey, Cornbread Stuffing. No, leaving it. And I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with eight actually for oh. bringing, for bringing the I mean the the thing you bring I'm assuming they're bringing this to the party so you know some of these are gonna get docked because of what you bring. Okay, Not a stuffing uh, we person. have okay uh, we have Jake Gyllenhaal with cucumber salad. He says his mom makes a nice cucumber salad. That's a weird thing to say is your favorite side <laughs> dish, but okay, I take it. I like cucumber salad, so but Jake Gyllenhaal's going seven now. And now I'm, oh, I'm getting okay. lo- I'm locked in on the bottom half, so he I'm is. really gonna be disappointed uh, when when you bring up some of these celebrities that I don't like in the top three spots. Okay, candied yams for Jessica Alba. Uh, let's go ahead and put her one. <laughs> I I knew he was gonna do that. Like I would have bet my life <laughs> on it. Um, but I, I 
I, I I wanted to save her to the middle just to see if he would if he would get uh, overly hyped and put someone at one. Uh, but I knew he was put, always putting J.A. at number one. All right. Jessica Alba, number one. Candy Yams, uh, whatever. <laughs> he doesn't. Him. He doesn't. He doesn't care if if they're if they're brought by Jessica Alba, he's taking them. I'll, yeah, he's I'll eat them. them. I'll eat some. They'll be the greatest yams uh, I've ever had. Obviously. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Gardner, sweet potato pudding with roasted marshmallows. Sweet potato pudding. Yeah. Mm. Pudding. If she calls it pudding, then I would take it. If she calls it pudding, then I would leave it. Okay. I guess I would go four there for Jennifer Garner. Okay. I would definitely have her lower on the list if I had another slot lower. Okay. Um, and then finally, uh, Gigi Hadid with cranberry jello. And she's got to uh, go two because that's all she yeah. got. Yeah. Cranberry jello? No, leave it for sure. And I'm disappointed that uh, she's here. However, she is now sitting beside Taylor Swift. Gigi Hadid, I believe, is the Hadid that previously dated the weekend. She could talk him up to Taylor Swift. Oh my god, <laughs> we're gonna make this happen. <laughs> uh, so your your seating list from eight to one is Tina Fey, Jake Gyllenhaal, Nicki Minaj, Tom Brady, Jennifer Gardner, Taylor Swift. Gigi Hadid and Jessica Alba shotgun. You can't, but where would you make any switch if possible? I would definitely move up. I, I, Hadid and Garner would slide down and Taylor Swift, Brady and Nicki Minaj would all move up. Okay. Probably put Gigi see... Hadid at the very bottom. I don't know anything about her. I think she's a model, right? I don't... Yeah. Uh, as you can see, we are living up to our moniker of being a serious, non-serious <laughs> USC podcast. Uh, Shotgun, there is no score prediction, but uh, what what is a what is a great Thanksgiving uh, cocktail or drink to have? Um, I had a Mary Margarita the other day. Oh, which was had a little bit of cranberry in it, not too much. Uh, and then I can't remember. There was a couple other flavors in it, but. It was more of a Thanksgiving margarita. I thought that was an interesting take. Uh, but whatever you enjoy and whatever you can enjoy with your family, you know, make a punch that everyone enjoys, a Thanksgiving punch. Like, you know, that's great. We'll share it with the family. Let's all have a good time. Watch football all day. You know, the women can go shopping in the morning or whoever has to buy presents. I say that because my roommate is going at like 4.30 in the morning on Friday. Oof. I was like, have fun. I'll still be up. Have fun. I'll still right. be up. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I don't usually go shopping as, as I'm nearing my falling asleep time because then I've probably purchased too much or drive into somebody somebody's cart or something. But yeah, so I, I would say just something that everyone enjoys, you know, a classic or a merry margarita. Everyone loves a merry margarita. Have a merry time, guys. And that is better than any score prediction shotgun could ever give. Shaka, thank you for the tip. Thank you for playing along with overtime. I don't know what he's doing right now. He's throwing up uh, hand signals uh, to me. I'm Chris, not we, we've gone this whole podcast, and since we don't have a score prediction, we haven't talked about the defensive coordinator higher potentially for USC. Sure. So I'm feeling a little gun shy after today for myself. 
Okay. Do but you, if want, you want to wax why, put? Not everyone is is on our message board, and if you're not, you should sign up now. We have a seventy five percent off deal um, that we're running for Black Friday. This is the perfect time to sign up because there's so much about to happen. Not only is the defense coordinator information flowing, and we have a bunch of stuff on that, including what Chris is going to tell you about what he had heard and what did did not happen today, but also transfer portals about to open. Also, there's a signing day in December. Also, USC's bowl preparations, all that. You're going to want to be signed up to get the latest, the greatest, the, the most significant news and then from the most significant USC football site, uscfootball.com. So make sure you're signed up so that you can be on the P and hear all the rumors. And there have been a lot of rumors the last couple of days. Chris, what were you hearing and you know where do we kind of stand right now? Give a little taste, a Look, little I'm, sample. I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting into like super specifics. Obviously, of course not. That's uh, for Gerard, the That's why you got to be a member. Gerard, Gerard just did a nice Sunday, Monday kind of defensive coordinator recap of all the things we've been hearing over the last 48 hours. But I had posted earlier today about the timeline, and I've been hearing from a couple good sources that you know I still stand by, or or you know I'm not gun shy about it but i posted that they were anticipating an announcement being made today i still i also reported you know that usc wants to get this hire done preferably by the end of the week by before rivalry games are are through for the weekend you know that obviously would help with recruiting they're bringing kids in and you know just an extra jump start on all these things which obviously kind of speaks to someone who's not really tied up right now in doing, you know, responsibilities of, you know, maybe someone who's coaching in a game this weekend, or maybe doesn't have the defensive coordinator role, you know, maybe they're just an analyst, or maybe they're unemployed, or what have you. So that was kind of what I was reporting uh, this morning. Obviously, the announcement thing didn't end up being accurate, but I would still, I'm not gun shy about it. Uh, Everyone on the P has been super nice about it you know you don't always hit 100 percent, but you know i again i felt really good with my sourcing yeah and we expect that there will be a hire soon i mean that's and like there could be an expected announcement and then things get pulled back a little bit oh wait let's change these details in the contract or whatnot so that could be what happened uh as chris said with the timing and this, it seems like USC wants to get this hire done, possibly before Thanksgiving, but definitely before this weekend because they are bringing in a bunch of recruits. This is a big recruiting weekend for USC because of the bye week. So what better thing to have than the defensive coordinator that you're going to be, you know, that's going to be your coach there to say, here's how I see you, here's how I want to use you versus, oh, we're going to get somebody. And then they get the job. Now they got to call everybody that was on this visit already. So, um, and as Chris mentioned, it lends itself to believe that it's someone that is not game planning necessarily for as a defensive coordinator this week for a college game, you wouldn't think. So we've had the defense coordinator hot board up there. I think that puts the initials JL to the front and also Jeff Collins the former Georgia Tech coach is a name we've heard a little bit. So those are a couple of names out there. Now that JL could be Jimmy Lake, could be Jimmy Leonard, you know? So 
both of those guys could be options that come in uh, before the weekend. You know, Jimmy Lake is an assistant head coach with the Rams. However, there are 700 coaches on a NFL team. We've seen it before where NFL coaches leave for college positions in the middle of an NFL season. It's not like he's a coordinator. It's not like he is. I don't think he's even a position coach. So they would just say, all right, peace out. It's a great job for you. Go for it. Uh, but those are probably the front runners uh, as far as that tidbit, as far as the timing. Now, does that mean that's exactly what will happen? Nope. Someone could be hired away from a Big Ten school, a, a ACC school, a SEC school. If their season's just over, they're like, all right, that's a better gig for me. I'm going to go and leave. So I think we're going to see some news happen before we have the next Helium Boys podcast. So we'll have an answer there. And then that'll be something we get to break down in the future is, all right, how does this impact transfer portal? How does this impact uh, the players on the roster? How does it impact the recruiting? All that type stuff. But as I said, if you want all the information, all the details on what Chris is talking about, the timeline, how the timeline has been adjusted throughout the last 24 hours, as well as what we're hearing, what the names we're hearing, the money that's being thrown around, all that type of stuff, make sure you are subscribed to uscfootball.com. This is the perfect time to be subscribed with what all is going to go on in the next couple of weeks. And that's all we have for you on Helium Boys, a serious, non-serious you serious seat podcast we want to wish everyone a happy thanksgiving if you celebrate thanksgiving if not you know we hope you still have a great thursday you know shotgun and i will be probably a little bit drunk on our respective uh thanksgivings on opposite coast drunk on some drinks drunk on some food shotgun i hope you get some all the sugar you want in your system (laughs) um i am very thankful for you, my fellow Helium boy, for staying up so late, even though this is your kind of natural uh, sleep cycle or whatever, but I've been doing a sketch class on Monday, a sketch writing class, and I appreciate Shotgun working with me to do our shows later in the day, even though it's you know about to be 4 a.m. on his time. So I'm very thankful that Shotgun has been willing to work with me uh, in terms of my scheduling while I do... Uh, something I wanted to try. So thank you, Shotgun. I'm very thankful for you and all that you do for this uh, podcast and the site in general. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm very thankful for you as well, my fellow Helium boy. And we together are thankful for all you guys that listen to the show. We're thankful for everyone that's come up this season and said hello, said hi, said you know that you enjoy the work, everything. That means so much to us. We really appreciate it. We're sorry the season didn't go better for you guys. You know, we want you guys to be excited and want to listen to every podcast and want to have to hear it. But hopefully, hopefully for this last six weeks, we've been able to be a little bit of therapy, give you a little bit of insight as well along the way, and maybe a laugh or two as well, particularly Chris. Uh, but thank you guys so much for being a part of the show. Thank you guys so much for all your submissions, all your uh, your 
your help with us as we go through the process. And, you know, hopefully we'll find out more about USC's future going forward here in the next couple of weeks. And maybe when, if they hire a defensive coordinator before Thanksgiving, when you go around the table on Thanksgiving, you might say, I am thankful for a decision that Lincoln Riley just made rather than what we've than what you said at the beginning of the season or halfway through the season uh, when, you know, the defense was struggling once again. But we appreciate you guys. That's going to wrap it up for this show. Uh, this has been the Helium Boys podcast, part of the Peristyle podcast family of shows. This is a serious, non-serious USC podcast. Unlike all the others, we're a little bit different, and we like it that way. Chris, thank you so much to you. Have a great Thanksgiving. Everyone else, thank you. Have a great Thanksgiving. Peace out.